Presented here is a free teaser for this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Patreon bonus podcast. Every single month, we release a deep dive on a classic wrestling event as voted on by our supporters on Patreon. Presented here is a 15-minute preview of that podcast. It's a true historical deep dive. The only place to hear these shows in full? Join the Patreon page for just $5 per month. The link is right here in the podcast description. Patreon is the best way to support the show. We are confident you will enjoy the content we're offering, all the bonus content over on Patreon. For just $5 per month, not only do you gain access to the monthly Top Rope Nation Classics bonus podcast on Patreon, you also receive access to a weekly bonus podcast, Top Rope Nation Extra. The only way to hear Top Rope Nation Classics every month and Top Rope Nation Extra every single week is by supporting us on Patreon. That's five bonus shows per month for $5, plus other benefits like access to our show notes every week, voting on which events we cover for classics, and more. So click that link in the episode description and read all about it over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Nation and enjoy this special free preview of this month's retro show. What is up, everybody? It is another monthly edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. I think this is like the 22nd, maybe 23rd edition of the show. We're going back in time as voted on by the patrons here at patreon.com slash Nation to review a UK-only special event that happened in September of 1997. It's WWF one night only. I got Justin on the line, of course. I've got Kyle on the line, and we've got a very special guest. He has been on the show many times before. He's a patron of the show. He's been the gateway for many UK residents to find Top Rope Nation because Kyle has been on his podcast, Squared Circle Gazette, numerous times. And like I said, he's been on our show, I think, three, four, maybe five times. This is the first time on the Patreon show. It is the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Book of the Year winning author, Mr. Liam O'Rourke. Liam, what's going on? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me back once again. I've been dying to do one of these shows with you, like a show recap show for the longest time. So of all the shows to do, I'm so glad this is the one. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm pumped for today. I've been, I've been excited all week for this. You were at the event in September 1997, so it makes sense. It was perfect to have you on. We were hoping that this would be the one that won the poll. It ran away with it. It wasn't even close. So it worked out perfectly. We're, it's uh, it's the late morning here in the U.S. as we record. It's the afternoon across the pond where you are, Liam. We had some technical difficulties getting on the air, but we finally we, we went old school. We went back to Skype to make this thing work. So It's, it's, it's kind of appropriate, actually, because as I went through this show. I've seen this show back like several times, obviously, since it happened. But actually going through and making notes, there are so many memories that came flooding back that I completely forgot. And I forgot I was actually late to the venue at this show for a reason I'll get into. So it's only appropriate that I'm late for this as well. So it kind of works out. <laughs> nice. Uh, by the way, uh, you talk about uh, this show running away with the poll, Ryan. As always, we have to thank Dominion. You know, rigging everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, we watched it this week, too. It was kind of fun to relive. It took, I think I said this on another show we did, it took me, like, years to see this event because they finally released it in the U.S. when it first came out on WWF Home Video, but they cut the Brett Undertaker match, so I don't even know when the first time I actually saw that one was. Um, Kyle, do you remember the first time you saw this event? Yeah, I actually own the Master VHS. I bought it. I don't know if I got it off eBay or a video store had it. Mm -hmm. or whatnot, but I owned it for the longest time. I was going to put it up behind me, but I guess I threw it out. Oops. Uh, but yeah, I saw, I'd saw I'd seen the event, um, I don't know, like 20 years ago, but I had not seen the Brett match and a few others until the network. Mm -hmm. I think Brett had the match maybe on his DVD. I think that was the first time that I saw it, probably. I don't think, yeah, I was just couldn't, re couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, what about you, Justin? First time you saw One Night Only. Network, not until it was on the network. I'd never seen it before. Okay. All right. And of course, Liam was there. So Liam, why don't you tell us about getting tickets for this show and how that all came about where you had the opportunity to go? Yeah. So this was the second live wrestling show that I'd ever been to. Uh, the year before I'd gotten to go to in the same venue, Birmingham NEC. Uh, I lived in Birmingham for the first like eight years of my life, moved away uh, and then I'd, I'd been to the show in 96, was excited for the Shawn Michaels main event that I was expecting to get, only for him to lose the belt one week before my show to Psycho Sid at Survivor Series and was treated instead to Sid versus Farouk in a 90-second <laughs> match for the main event. Uh, but I should, I, I, yeah, but I should be happy that Sid made an advertised date. So that was history-making right there. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> the only the only ever brett mcfoley match took place on that show so there's a little bit of something there which was good but uh and as we'll talk about this card had like a bunch of changes as well so uh my and i know we'll talk about fandom and such but i was i was rabid for this show i was i was so i was so excited to be able to go to an actual there was something to be said for this this country in the 90s was just starved for wrestling and we loved anything that came over it sold out pretty much WCW did really well here in like 1993 when they weren't doing well like anywhere um but you know this anything that came along usually did pretty damn well and this was no exception and, and a show of relevance that was actually going to have like a title match. like yeah this wasn't like a as it would kind of become over the course of history like the rebellions and the insurrections were basically just like taped house shows but this felt novel and different for reasons i'm sure we'll get into yeah justin joint the state of your fandom as we uh ended the summer of 1997 so as we said we are live at the nec arena in birmingham england uh 11, fans approximately a sellout i said 20,000 buys on pay-per-view and Liam, you alluded to this earlier, but you got to the venue late. So, yeah. so tell us the story of walking into the venue, the atmosphere, what you noticed when you got there. Yeah, so uh, I got there late because I avoided a car crash by about 15 feet on the way to the building. <laughs> so oh we were we were driving there, and we, this is like we, we leave the motorway. We're heading on a road that's got like a, obviously these cars going in both directions, and I guess like a drunk driver or someone who fell asleep at the wheel just kind of careen right, and like two cars in front of us, just a massive head-on collision that flipped both cars and and it came swinging past us. So we were kind of just like stood there for like 10, 15 minutes, just and I was just like, God damn, if I miss the fucking opening match, <sighs> I, you know. Yeah, pull that twisted looking chap out of the car and make sure he's okay. But I need to see 
the opening. Yeah, I need to see the pyro. And and so I got there about five minutes in. It wasn't that bad. But uh, no, the atmosphere was electric. It was just, it, like I said, I'm comparing it to the house show, which was like really dark <laughs> the mm. year before. And like, you know, nothing special about it in, in terms of the optics. And then just walking in, it's like, this looks like a pay-per-view. It looked just, again, to, to, to my 11-year-old eyes, it was completely surreal to see a scene like that, to see a show like that, sorry, uh, in person. So, uh, but the crowd was already like rabid by the time I got there. And then it pretty much felt like it stayed that way. Where, so where were your seats at? I was so on the first, it's not a huge build in the NEC. Like you can actually see, when you actually like watch the video, you can see like the crowd, the, the, the seats that go all the way to the back. That's it. You can actually see every seat on on the video of the mm-hmm. show. So it's, it's not as big as it, as it looks uh, on camera, I don't think. So I was on like, as the risers began, I was on, like two or three rows up on the risers. So like, I had a pretty good view of everything and I was kind of like side on so I could kind of, yeah, I was opposite the entrance way, so I, I, yeah. but uh, no, it was it was the, the the atmosphere was just through the roof. Wait a minute, so you were not the person holding up the Meltzer is God sign? No, <laughs> oh, no. On you. okay, all right. <laughs> Thought for sure that might have been you. Were you know. able to spot yourself on the on the video of this? No, I can't because like at, at no point because like there are times when it kind of goes to the side and you can kind of see that that yeah you know, the, the right hand side uh, it would be right to the hard camera, but like it doesn't go. It doesn't pan to the side enough to, to see where I was. So, okay. Well, it was nowhere near the close call you guys at the, in Chicago was when Moxley comes walking by. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Kyle missed it though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I heard. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I got to ask you this. So, as I was watching, I thought of it and then I'm like, I'm going to ask Liam right away at the start. So, I got to ask you those guards that were on the entranceway. Did they actually stand there the entire show staring at each other? Or did they like go off after the entrances? No, they were there the whole time. God, the entire so time. Awkward. So yeah. awkward. <laughs> no intermission. Nothing. They were just stood there. I mean, wow. because they, yeah, the, queen, the, the Queen's guard outside Booking Bass has to do that anyway, for real. They have to just like stand there for hours. So like, there you go. What a yeah. way to win living though, right? <laughs> they're just it's so authentic you know these two guys on on the the uh entranceway they're right in front of the end right in front of the stage and they just stand there mo- motionless expressionless <laughs> the entire time as the wrestlers walk past them bulldog almost takes them out during his entrance <laughs> checks on the guy i'll tell you what man i i couldn't do that my entire life would just be worrying about having to piss like the whole time, like every day I would just wake up. God, I hope I don't have to pee in the middle of this shift. What do you do? <laughs> I know. No you kidding. soil yourself? <laughs> I would I would seriously like dread that in my head. Yes, <laughs> I would think about it the whole time. It. I would just yep. think I can't pee. I can't pee. I can't pee. I can't pee. Yeah. So this show, what I found was interesting about I had to look it up on History of WWE. A friend, Graham Cawthon, was on the show a couple of months ago. Uh, this was the only event that they did in England. Like they didn't go over there and do a couple of shows, you know, to make use of the, the travel time across the Atlantic ocean. They did one event and then they come right back and they're at Madison square garden for raw on Monday night. I thought that was strange. (laughs) Very strange. So yeah. Kind of unprecedented too. They, I don't think they did that before or since. No, I can't think of it because they would always do a loop. SummerSlam 92 shows. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should look that up because yeah, I mean, Going back to the first tour in 89, it was, you know, like a week they would mm. be over there. Or at least the crew would be over there. So, yeah. yes. Does somebody want to check that up to see if SummerSlam 92 was a one-off over there? But, yeah. I it's, feel like it was. Um, yeah. 
You know, travel back then, even in 97, was so odd. They were starting to streamline it, but it's nothing like today where it's very logical. I mean, I don't need to tell any of you guys. I mean, the 80s. I mean, (laughs) the cities they would go from day to day were just insane. You wonder why everyone, you know, was doing cocaine. I mean, the old Miami, (laughs) Detroit, Atlanta, Los Angeles, uh, East Rutherford, five nights and five, uh, you know, five shows and five nights. So really take it out of you. Yeah. Well, they did have kind of like a skeleton crew back in the United States um, working the house show loop as one night only happened. As you can imagine, uh, not the most star studded lineups they were presenting back here. Uh, <laughs> they ran, uh, let's see, the night of one night only, they were in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And the main event of that show was Crush Chains and Eight Ball taking on Farouk, Kama, and D'Lo Brown. That was the main event. Um, Brian Pillman was on that show, though. Uh, and see the next day, Sunday, September 21st for a crowd of 966 people, the world wrestling federation ran Liberty central high school in Liberty, New York. Woo! Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure Pillman would have been allowed to travel to the show. Cause I think at that point he was doing his Friday night anger management classes for real. So uh, oh, wow. he wasn't able to take the international flight as I believe the story. Wow. They did have. The future, The Rock, Rocky Maivia, he was on that that skeleton crew house show loop, though. he, Rocky Maivia worked Ahmed Johnson at Liberty Central High School that oh, weekend. So and then, Ahmed, then the next the day, they're at MSG. What the fuck? <laughs> That's yeah. interesting because Ahmed was supposed to be on this one-night-only card originally. It wasn't, and I have it in my notes. Well, what do you know? It's 1997 and Ahmed Johnson's hurt again. But yeah, apparently, I, they just I, left I, him behind. I, I, I spent... bet he missed the flight. I bet he missed the flight. <laughs> Well, I was wondering what happened because, like, he's on that MSG show two days later. Yeah. And I was all ready to make it. I like in my head, I'm like, oh, well, it's 1997. At this point in time, I'm pretty sure they were going to change his ring name to Tampon because he was like one week in, three weeks out the whole year long. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, he's actually he's fine. Yeah, that's great. No, yeah, he worked Ahmed that whole weekend and then he worked him on Raw, too. You know what? So, yeah. Given that the original card was Brett and Austin. And Undertaker and Ahmed, you know, Austin's obviously injured. This is post SummerSlam, where with the Owen Piledriver thing, you had to move someone big into that slot. Undertaker was the logical person. I wonder if just Ahmed was like an odd man out at that point, where it's just like, well, fuck, who cares about Ahmed Johnson being on this card? We need Brett to have a serviceable opponent. We're going with the Undertaker, Ahmed. You know, you worked the high school in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I was pissed again. The year before, I'm thinking I'm going to get Shawn Michaels' main event, and then he's not on the show. And then here, I'm going to get Austin and Bret Hart, like, months after the WrestleMania match. I was, like, I was going to be, like, a pig in shit watching that match. And then, of course, Austin gets hurt. So, yeah. Was that How, how aware were you guys that Austin wasn't going to be on the show at all? Like, no interview or anything? Did you find that out in advance? Or, like, when you got to the venue? No, I just, I mean, I, to be honest, at that point, I just assumed he wouldn't be there. Because it was, like, well, as soon as, the, we watched watching SummerSlam. Like, it sounds selfish, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good for the match that I was hoping I was going to get to see Bretton Austin, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just assumed he wouldn't be there. I think, I think everybody, there was no, like, belief in the crowd because they didn't advertise him at all. Like, obviously, we had, like, as they do, like, in the local markets and stuff, we had a lot of kind of, like, TV gear just to plug one night only. And at no point did they say Steve Austin was going to be there. So I was under no false illusions. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because there was like a, an initial poster, I think, when it went on sale, obviously, he was on. But then uh ended up changing that. 
Yeah, so. they plugged it hard. That, that was like that, and they were treating it like it was a double main event with Bretton Austin and, and Sean and Bulldog. Yeah. All right, so we get this uh, this intro for the show with the British Bulldog. You know, they make him out to be a great hero over in the UK. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, it's very heroic <laughs> yeah, for a yeah. guy who's about to lose. Awkward. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the first match of the show, Triple H taking on Dude Love. Hunter enters the arena, looks at the guards in disgust. Uh, <laughs> Foley does this backstage interview where he's like, imitating you know the english accent that our good friend liam has here which i'm jealous of man that accent i like the english accent yeah but you know, sound boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what we a lot of us feel the same way about you guys and i gotta say mick foley's promo listen to the crowd reaction that should tell you what you think about what we think about that kind of impression of our accents nobody we reacts really at all <laughs> hate when americans or any yeah. other nation thinks that we talk like that, especially Birmingham, which, you know, I think at one point Vincent Mann lied and called it beautiful Birmingham, England, which, you know, <laughs> come on. I lived there for eight years and I know it ain't beautiful. So um, I, th- but the, the pandering promo. Do I do love and some comments. Oh, baby, have mercy. I do say, Hunter, my dear chap. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc 